Hello, my name is Kevin and I'm a white man with a savior complex. And I'm Michael and I'm a national bronze medalist in archery. And welcome to our podcast, Subtitled Cinema. We started this podcast because we love movies. However, as Americans, a majority of the movies that we've seen and that our friends have seen are in English. But some of the best films are in another language. Our mission is to share these movies with people who might not have otherwise known about them. We hope to broaden your perspectives, as well as our own. Each week we'll be watching a different movie from a different country. We invite you to watch along at home and tune in to our discussions of context, background, and themes that may enhance your appreciation of these films. To start things off, The Host, directed by Bong Joon-ho, a South Korean genre mashup of character-driven comedy and socially commentative monster movie. I think the the first scene, the opening scene, kind of gets gets to things right right away. Absolutely. This opening scene, we have a white American English-speaking scientist and a Korean scientist. And right off the bat, we have this white man being like, pour these toxic, evil chemicals down the drain. Just do it. As a result of, like, dusty bottles. Yeah, like, he's like, these bottles are gross. Let's get rid of them. Let's dump all the chemicals into the ocean. So, amazing motivation. What the scene is, is Bong Joon-ho's depiction of an event that took place July 2000, where the United States military admitted to having dumped toxic chemicals in the Han River. So, in South Korea, the Han River is the water source to over 2 million Koreans. So this was a pretty big event that affected a lot of people. Yeah, it's like an environmental crime. This was like terrible. He was like poison. The U.S. military poisoned a big swath of the population. Just it's essentially criminal negligence, if if not just like completely. If not like outright, like yeah. basically, yeah. Like this in response caused a lot of protests, a lot of upheaval. Naturally, calling for the dismissal of American troops from Korean soil. The main crux of these protests was the slogan, The Americans Despise the Korean People. So this movie opens with kind of Bong Joon-ho's depiction of the event that carries with it, The Americans Despise the Korean People. I think it paints like the American American side of this as just like a pretty true-to-form evil, kind of very black and white, like this guy is a, is a bad guy. And I think like this act kind of can be viewed with such simplicity. And I think that sets the backdrop for the political tones of this movie, kind of where it's coming from, kind of what angle it's approaching, and then, you know, how we then view the respective antagonists throughout the movie. Right. There is no, like, morally gray, like, oh, they were grappling with all these things. No, this is an American committing a monstrous act. Just like throughout the movie, this is a clear-cut scene monster. There is no doubt that this monster is going to kill you. In reference to that monster, the monster itself is like a mutant tadpole almost. Yeah, it has like four legs, I guess. Like two huge ones. Yeah, it is two big legs and then two sort of like further legs to kind of allow it to maneuver in odd places. The very flexible tail. It's made of, it has like fish parts growing out of it. A really weird folding mouth that just makes you so curious about what the heck is going on with this weird alien thing. And for a 2000s monster movie, you definitely see the monster a lot and it kind of delivers. Like it doesn't look awful as you sometimes yeah. see with CGI out of like lower budget movies or like it definitely films. doesn't look flawless amazing like, I think it looks good I was immersed in the film I yeah. didn't think that it distracted me in any way and when it's introduced uh, when it's attacking a ton of people by the riverside I think the introduction of it's great you get that dolly shot of uh, our protagonist viewing this monster coming down throwing people left and right and then he proceeds to like attack a massive crowd of people yeah um, and so you're kind of like thrust into this situation as are our characters because they're being attacked by like some weird thing they've never seen before and it's just kind of like this repulsive 
grotesque, gratuitous sort of a, right. uh, slime monster. This is sudden, and this is dire, and yeah. everybody is on the same page immediately. You don't have, like in other monster movies, where there's confusion, and there's like things coming from the shadows, and nobody can really identify things. Yeah. Here, there's a giant honking monster coming up the river, and everyone knows to get out. The person that we follow thrust into the situation is our hero, Gangdu, Gangdu. I'm gonna blunder all these names yeah, repeatedly. Yeah, I love all of these Korean actors, actresses, all uh, yeah. you know, directors, loving to death. We're Americans. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, we never learned anything. Um, so uh, he's blonde tips. He looks so good. And, and this movie has repeated moments of almost slapstick. Like this is as much of a monster horror sort of like you know movie as this is mm -hmm. it doesn't rely so much heavy on horror like you, it's not really a scary right. movie like we're not in the atmosphere of like such tension yeah. and such like waiting in fear for the monster to strike kind of thing yeah it's see. not grabbing you from the shadows it's funny people are falling on their ass yeah there's slapstick in this there's there's people tripping in in really inopportune moments and it, there's people you know it's it's me might as well be slipping on a banana peel absolutely and this is so characteristic of bong joon ho's style mm -hmm. where he's just so deft at melding these these vastly different styles that you wouldn't necessarily think would build off of each other and he's showing us that yes you can not only have both of these elements in a movie you can have them in a way that feeds off of each other and can create stakes and tension yeah. in a way that feels completely natural and solid in universe yeah so our, our character gang do he's part of a, a family that we follow he is the father to hyun su a young middle schooler i believe yeah middle high school something like that yeah little um, girl he's like the black sheep of the family mm -hmm. he's working for his father um the grandfather character who uh like serving snacks to people by the riverside right, they have like a stand but after, uh, after his daughter gets uh, taken by the monster, the family rejoins and essentially the plot, the kind of compulsion in this movie is to rescue her from the monster. So we have this really wonderful moment where the family reunites and it is mid-grieving. We kind of open on the dad figure and the grandfather figure wailing, looking at this portrait of hyun very much feeling the loss because at this point they believe that she is dead and we're in this like public gymnasium you're just surrounded by like wails and cries everybody's having a bad time you definitely sit with that you definitely feel like this anguish and this pain and then we have a close-up on a soju bottle we finally see the brother character yes. for the first time on screen the uncle to kwang Su. Exactly. We heard that he's a drunkard. We see that he is now a drunkard. Seems like fuck-ups go in this family. The aunt character, the sister character, we met her earlier on TV. She's like an Olympic archer. And uh, she re-enters uh, re the fray. She, she won a, a bronze medal, which right. is like the best she could have done, even though she was in contention with the gold. It's a you know, brief moment. Right. So like the, kind of the, the crown jewel of this family, if you will, like the pinnacle, like the best of the best is still underperformance. <laughs> a bronze medalist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, that sets the standard for this family. So they rejoin. It's like kind of this, it, it's heartfelt until it, <laughs> you know, until the, the comedic elements like then kind of like Takes delve into it. Yeah. Right. You have, you're feeling this pain. There they're all grabbing on each other. Like the brother, you just see on his face, he breaks down, he starts screaming. The sister is, you know, like, your sister brought you a bronze medal. Like, this is so emotionally impactful <laughs> until they start fighting and falling and thrashing on the ground. They're like rolling around. They're causing a major scene at this point. And 
a bunch of people come over with cameras mm -hmm. and photographs and you hear flashes and snapping and even the characters react. I believe the brother is like, what are you doing? Like, get out of here. Yeah. Why are you taking our photos? In the background, you see like <laughs> someone, like an, an authority figure coming in asking if someone needs right, to move their like car. Right, like someone comes on there like, who has parked in the black <laughs> <laughs> Just interrupting this family's grieving. So this beautiful pivot from <laughs> what was for me just this heartfelt like, oh, like I empathize so well. Yeah. Like, this is so sad too. <laughs> I'm like laughing and I feel conflicted about it. <laughs> Because this is still sad, kind of. Yeah. So it's it's blended so well. My favorite, like, sequence where a government scientist Love comes it. in, immediately slips, and, like, hard falls. Completely plays it off, stands up, like, what, me? <laughs> what was that? And then, you know, starts, like, narrowing people out. Right. Separating families. Like, raise your hand. Stuff. Definitely coming into this environment of emotional vulnerability and fragility and being like, here is bureaucracy. Raise your hand. Like, we're going to organize you yeah. you victims of you, you survivors and it's definitely i think important to recognize the the people have a somewhat mistrust of them as well when they say raise your hands if you've been in contact with anyone nobody raises no. their hand like you see maybe like like a few me like yeah. barely raising when, when they ask again there's people that are like unsure mm -hmm. um and i think that's just because it's we don't know what's going on we're not trying to volunteer like self -identify. that might like hurt us like criminalize yourself and you see that too especially with the father figure when he starts kind of raising his hand the brother yeah. immediately kind of like snaps it and puts it down is like yeah. no like yeah. we're not going to disclose this information willingly to the government yeah because the uncle slash brother character has kind of like mistrust and um kind of oppositional viewpoint to the the government forces be it like the south korean government which is obviously americanized and more directly the american government which, which is very american yeah, um, and just kind of serves as a mouthpiece for this left-wing political commentary this like college grad kind of like educated student activist population yeah that definitely doesn't super have faith in the government and their mode of causing change is in that tension, in that friction with the force that be, with the government that might be trying to suppress them. You see it throughout the movie later when you get to like the student protests and all that kind of stuff. But as well as just his position, his character is uh, one typical of like a South Korean youth where they have a mandatory military service. They tend to then be used as a, a branch of the government's objective and aims. And this is clearly, you know, Americanized. There's right. an American influence behind it. Um, such as, uh, you know, there's a, under the Korean political backdrop, there's uh, a big protest against the Iraq war and Koreans' involvement of it. Hot button issue leading up into the 2000, I believe, six, seven, or eight Korean election. Um, it was oh, just like a hot, yeah. it was a hot button, yeah. uh, hot button issue at the time. And so it kind of finds itself being told, not just by the director, but through this character and his perspective. Exactly. So you're built out of this context of yeah. these student protesters being at the forefront of these kind of oppositions after being used by the government, like very, very literally, like their yeah. bodies being used by the government, not really... Without, really, their, without know, their consent. Yeah, and without yeah. their interest in mind. Without their interest in mind, yes. Like, the government is kind of superimposing what they're about onto these bodies and then yeah. kind of going from there. So, yes, you have a lot of these tensions. And with the Americanization and the election, the Americans were very, very present at the establishment of the South Korean government. Yeah. They were the ones who had people on the ground to facilitate and supervise yeah. what was going on, a.k.a. you know, meddle in those affairs. Obviously. So, yeah, you, you definitely have kind of all of these things, and it's a meeting place between, like, the critical thought of the college student mind and the mandatory service that is going on in South Korea. But, you know, Bong Joon-ho himself has said that if you view this movie simply as like a critique of America, there's a lot being missed out on it. There's 
more specific critiques of like capitalism, but also military interventionism, you know, all the all these sort of like strong arming policies that the government has. It's not necessarily a particular critique in any one specific way, but just kind of as I meant, you know, to use my own words, the forces that be. Right, like the things that he's critiquing and the things he's drawing attention to are naturally multivarious and they manifest in many different ways because what he is tackling is so large. It yeah. is not just a giant monster with four legs. It is the monstrous that yeah. surrounds us. It's how we're responding to like such a clear and simple evil, yeah. such as a river monster. Yeah, exactly. And you have just so many government forces, you know, denying, quarantining, working around it. Nobody yeah. taking it head on except for this Korean family. They are the ones who have such a deep personal stake in it. Exactly. So similar to Bong Joon-ho's other movies, such as Snowpiercer, where like the evils of capitalism are yeah. very overt. Or very like, class distinctions. Exactly. Or Parasite, where that you're hitting on that again, but just the wealth come disparities yeah. and just different ways that people of different classes are interacting and trying to survive. In this movie, you have just, again, these kind of same themes of different people trying to live their lives with different forces that be all interacting and just trying to figure out what works. Upon escaping from the hospital in Which, a fantastically scene. hilarious scene. I was losing my mind. Yeah. We find everyone in the grandfather's snack shack. You get that somewhat like hallucination of the uh, the daughter who's there and present and eating. <sighs> Um, yes. Which is just like a very like quaint moment. Yes, I'm um, so glad you brought up the scene again because I was just so struck. By At first, I totally didn't think it was a hallucination. I thought she just found her way back to the snack shack. Yeah. So I thought it was just beautiful how seamlessly she integrated back into this family and how everyone gave her food just right away. Food was like a big kind of device throughout the right. every time you see somebody eating on screen or in a book they're not just eating that's communion Definitely. specifically so to see that that is the way that the family can come together for hyun su was just it was very heartwarming yeah but they they find that the monster is staring at them from outside the shack yes they all have shotguns at this point and they decide to take the initiative and in shooting the monster as it lay i think it's really interesting to note here that the monster is it looks so almost like naturally part of the environment. We yeah. have this really wonderful long shot where if you just capture that still, I think it would be just a really a really good way to show Bong Joon-ho's ability to meld these things together where this one didn't even stick out to me as like a weird CGI monster thing. Yeah. This was just a menacing force standing in a field. It's creepy. It is very creepy. It's terrifying. Yeah. And to be like that kind of like just that watching force being observed by something that is evil and that you might not understand i think is definitely speaking to a lot of these more large broad things that we were previously talking about yeah you know as they attempt to kill it they chase after it back to its lair and in doing so our protagonist trips <laughs> his brother berates him for it <laughs> trips himself and then the father runs past them both because he's the only one with like some he's the only one who can handle it you know right what i mean now. yeah yeah so um, family standards just coming right back yeah. and so they run out of ammo for the most part and they right. have to run the, away the, and they see the government in the distance then now approaching because they're right, shooting bullets right the father tells the grandfather there's one bullet left if you didn't think you could keep fucking up oh boy <laughs> there wasn't one bullet left he miscounted yeah and we have this i thought another pretty heart-rending moment where the grandfather just looks at him in kind of like disbelief yeah it's a well, it's a great moment of slow-mo. It is. There's a really great use of slow-mo in this yeah. film. The monster kills the grandfather. Yes, and, he's, he's yeah. taken up, he's and he's slammed. slammed on the ground, dies, and the the our protagonist gets captured gets by the government captured. again. Yes, the brother and the or yeah, the brother and the sister flee. The family is broken up into these little vignettes that we now kind of periodically check in on. The father is taken away to yes. some government facility. Our 
uncle slash brother locates Huang Su. Huang Su? Yes, he does locate Huang Su by going to one of his tech savvy telecom worker communicator friend who, as you might think, is actually not like four or sixty or seventy thousand dollars in his bank account. He mm-hmm. is very much in debt. He helps the uncle locate Hyung Su and in the process kind of reveals himself to be like a very political figure, political activist, and definitely like a protagonist of the movie. The brother you mean? No, the the friend. The fr- the friend was like betraying him. Yeah, but not really. I mean the friend was the like he set the brother up. Uh yeah, but only to like Give him the information he needs, and then, like, get him out. Well, he wasn't trying to give him the information he needs. Yeah, he did. Remember when he put the sticky note, and uh, he left it over? Oh, like, that oh. was intentional? Oh, my yeah. gosh. I thought that was, like, I thought that was just something that was left there. I didn't no, know he was actually No, that's why he laid the fist, because he was like, Wow, right on, see, there's a detail I missed completely. I totally thought that he was just betraying him. No. Wow, okay, so that, that definitely adds some context yeah. to my understanding. Of the so, scene. from there, he, he gets away by, like, jumping off a bridge and, like, hitting that ground hard. When he's groaning and rolling into the shadows, that was a, another one of the just stellar moments. Yes. The lobotomy scene. Right. We check back in with the dad. Um, nobody's doing well at this point. The no. sister and her side thing just got shoved into a ditch yeah. after missing a sh- or failing to shoot, I believe. Yeah. There's a recurring theme that she can't like shoot the arrow in time or something. <laughs> yeah. Like she, she takes too long yeah. lining it up. So Indecisiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Just inability to commit. Stuff yeah. like that. So we check back in on the dad. He is frantic at this point because he got a call from Hyunsu. Is that when this is happening? No, he got the call way well earlier. In the hospital, yeah. yeah. So regardless, we check back in the dad. He is now under government control. We see the white general character come in. And um, like kinda like stop his expection. Give right. him don't faint some trust with him. Right. Like it totally seems for a moment that we have this white savior figure being a white savior and Booyah, like, baby. <laughs> and actually listening for the first time in like the whole movie, mind you, like actually listening to a Korean citizen and hearing him and then gotcha, that proceeds, was not true. Yeah, proceeds to like reveal the fact that the virus isn't real. The virus is not real. The entire like kind of impetus for this quarantine and these searches. The and- American kind of intervention right the entire reason the americans are allowed to well, allowed the entire reason the americans do come to south korea to combat this virus that is not even real so they have no reason to be there now um and so they they lobotomize our protagonists and um i guess attempt to he was very much like kicking yeah he, he was fine well i mean they, they did like brain surgery yeah. you know whatever that is we had a really great moment where he goes no virus <laughs> yeah. he like understands like the english enough to to say like oh the virus isn't real so horrific frankly horrific scene where he knows kind of that he knows that he's being silent because he's just crying out that he needs to get to his daughter as they are strapping him like completely taking away his revving agency. a drill really really scary stuff there actually um, like that was whoa. But he gets out. But he gets out. He gets out, and it's funny again. Yes. As more juxtaposition, he squirts some of his blood. Yeah, he, yeah, holding this woman hostage as All he's like scientists. breaking out of his surgery area. <laughs> and we open the doors, and we see, I believe, American soldiers just having a barbecue. They're outside, like having a grand time. Like, unbelievable. The whole family reconvenes at where will be the release of Agent Yellow. Not a so subtle reference to Agent Orange. Agent Orange being a uh, chemical byproduct of napalm. And if you know anything from the Korean War, or Vietnam for that matter, it was used extensively um, as a means of bombing by the American forces. Yeah. Agent Orange causes long-term health issues, and so a a large portion of anyone exposed to it, so namely South Koreans... the people, like the population... uh, Whose land it was used on, suffered as a result of that. 
Agent Yellow is going to be deployed in hopes of killing this beast. Right. As a result, there's lots of student protesters Mass that show protests up. protests showing up. Uncle Brother character is en route in a taxi, making Maltos out of soju bottles. Out of soju, which, which again, here we go. Like, yeah. the soju is emblematic of his character now changed from kind of an inhibiting, like, you're, like, so, I can't believe you showed up drunk. Like, you're yeah. such also a mess up to now. Like, this is kind of the main way to combat the monster yeah he's turning his like sedative into his action and so he's kind of developed from deadbeat's too strong of a word he transforms from this unemployed college graduate who's i think drunk all the time kind of like he's like stumbling a bit and has like strong resemblance to like your average korean male at this time you know a very common experience into someone who's bringing the action to them right he's finally is empowered to make the decisions he has a cause he has a means and he has the will to do so in the same way that the father has been stepping up to save his daughter now Mm -hmm. we see kind of his brother taking the same actionable steps where no longer is he going to be this kind of like unemployed college student just drifting now going to achieve his goal Mm -hmm. so similar to what we were talking about earlier where in july 2000 the u.s military's dumping of toxic chemicals caused mass outcry and protests we see these people rallying against agent yellow making it very very clear that they do not want it deployed here yeah this is american people coming in to south korea's uh one of the most prominent bridges in south korea and against their consent, against their will, releasing poison. Poison, releasing yeah. poison just everywhere. The family reconvenes. The monster shows up to the release of Agent Yellow, and right. everyone causes panic, and everyone to scramble. And, and Protesters are being enveloped by this gas. Yeah. You see everyone's kind of like bleeding from the ears as a yes. clear sign that this is destroying their bodies. There's a particularly striking shot where you have five protesters holding up a banner um, and they're enveloped by this yellow gas. And they collapse. Yeah. And it's just the South Korean people being completely bulldozed yet again yeah. by the American government. In hopes of fighting this mismanaged monster right. anyway, right? This A, virus that never existed, and B... This mon- monster who the United monster. States government is responsible for creating. Exactly. And this monster that, surprise, surprise, the South Koreans are the ones who actually kill it. So, the family, ragtag, group of underperformance. complete, like, <laughs> buffoonery. Yeah. Like, the clowns are in town. And, it, and if you think the comedy stopped, <laughs> the brother is throwing Molotov cocktails, gets to his last, last one. Last one, like the final throw. Right when gasoline is being poured this is the, the moment, like, this is it. Just whiffs his throat. <laughs> just drops it behind him and goes like, oh. Because, you know, as much as he's stepping up to the plate, he's still gonna miss. Yeah, we're still, like, the same family you've been watching the whole right. movie. Right, like, they have not suddenly done the switch that we see in, like, other action movies where now everyone's suddenly capable and yeah. very, like, efficient. No, they're still messing up. But the sister comes in. This opens the door for her. Yeah, lights her, her arrow on fire, delivers Beautiful that moment. shot, lights mm-hmm. the monster on fire. The monster is now trying to get back to water because it is on fire. It's having a bad time. And we see this just another beautiful parallel to the beginning where the father smashes like a stop sign concrete thing and does this like really sick choreographed turn stab, kills the monster finally. Um, But this is after his daughter has been revealed to be killed by the monster. Right. But... In her death, she saved another child. That she saved a little boy that she encountered in yeah. the monster's kind of like holy Layer, cell thing. You know, yeah, whatever. classic creepy monster. Yeah, like home. And also to spend like a brief moment about that like monster's lair. Yeah. When she was like, oh, I want a beer with my dad. It's that like really nice oh, close-up shot. Yeah. And then the monster comes, like, vomits, vomits like bones, bones skulls, like human remains, and a beer can, and a beer that like cracks and like sprays everywhere similar to like the beginning of the movie yeah that was just like a very harrowing moment yeah. yeah geez 
Louise, Louise. That was frightening. Yeah. So, yes, um, the daughter gets taken from there dead. And she yeah. gets, like, vomited. Like, the first time I saw that, I was so upset that she died. But then I thought it made the killing of the monster so much more cathartic. Yeah. The family ultimately failed in the sense that they did not save Haisu, but they saved the person that she saved. Yes. So, in a way, you know, her grace is just carried forward. And I think it's a very beautiful way to say, like, yes, in a sense, you know, the monster claimed what we were all going for but in another sense we still have something worth protecting humanity lives on and uh, in the final closing moments of the movie our protagonist kind of adopts the the child that his daughter saved right you see them in the food shed which while they were in the prison the kid was like wow i want to live there that sounds awesome he's literally like living out his like dream here it's very sentimental he's stuffing his face he's stuffing his face he like sits up from sleep the moment the food is ready it's still just laden with that comedic effect and they uh, ignore the TV, which the is... The Americanized, a, yeah. broadcast the American control of the media yet again. Yeah. Them not admitting their mistake. Them they, they chalk it up to, like, misinformation. Misinformation, yeah. Completely putting the blame off of them. Trying to justify all of this American poison, all of this American presence in South Korea as just a complete farce. And nope, that gets turned off. We are allowed to just enjoy the food, communion, enjoy this father with his new adopted child. And we get a very, very beautiful long shot, extra long shot of just their shed in the snow. So what was your favorite scene in the movie? Glad you asked. So... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I didn't expect this question to be asked. (laughs) My favorite scene, we have already discussed. It absolutely was the grieving scene. This is the first time we see the family together. Our first introduction to their dynamics. You see the brother uh, as like a drunken, like, get away from me, like, get off of me. The father is just wailing. He's an absolute mess. The daughter is absolutely killing the performance. She's one of my favorite actresses. Everything just devolves, turns into a spectacle. First time I heard, like, whoever is in the black Hyundai, please, I just, (laughs) I could not handle it. And it was just such a wonderful experience to go from like wow i'm so sad and like this is tragic too i'm laughing and i'm still sad but now i'm just laughing because (laughs) this family is absolutely ridiculous i just think it's a really really excellent way to set up their motivations for the rest of the movie and the ways in which we can expect them to interact with each other which is a complete mess all the time never ending what was your favorite scene? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I would say probably when they escape the hospital, they get this breakout plan that seemed like you're not really privy to it no. um, when it starts. You see you see him walking through the hospital uh, hallways and like the nurses or somebody tries to stop him right. and they all take off together and they have like this just like such disgruntled means of trying to get out and it's none of it's like organized Basically but they're just like, bolting for it. Yeah. And when they finally get to the parking garage and they're changing into, like, street clothes out of their hospital gowns, it's just still just this disorganized force that they're, you know, to be reckoned with. A van pulls up because the grandfather, the grandfather hired, hired like, some, you know, some people to get out. And they all like, sprint against the van except for the except, sister character except. who's, like, walking... She's like, like very uncomfortably she's like meek. Yeah, I know she like can't get it going. She's like uncertain, and they take off without her. And they're yeah. like, wait, wait, we forgot Where our sister. She? Where is she? And so they like have to run back, and she's like tr- going. She's like, she's going like walking. The cars. She's yeah. like, like, I love her peeking. Like, yeah. uh, uh. she's like unsure, and she they're like yelling at her, like you idiot, like get in the van. And when when she finally gets into <sighs> driving off, like the cop grabs onto the yeah. van, and they just put like. 
facepalm him. They just, like, push him off. Champion moment. Um, and then they're all being chased by, like, more guards and, like, hospital staff. There's a, um... Like a cylindrical, yeah, yeah. like a spiraling road to get out from the basement levels, and you see like across the circle (laughs) them running, but they have to drive slowly up the the spiral. Oh my god! God, it was just such a beautiful moment to sit with. That sequence was amazing. I thought that was the funniest part of the movie, and you know, easily it, it it also I think very much exemplifies as as much as there's like. You know, some darkness to this, some horror throughout it. You know, this is like a monster movie and there's like this slimy creature that's killing everybody. Right, like there's things to be scared of, there are. Yeah, but it's like brutally funny. It's so funny. Unrelentingly so. So, yeah. you know, I really appreciate just like that mashup and I think this this scene really takes this, it's not so much a serious moment as it is like an exhilarating one and still like just visibly is hilarious right i think it's executed to perfection it shows you that there are definitely stakes here like that he is escaping from the hospital which presumably was going to keep him there do like all these things yeah it makes him like fugitives exactly and like these horrible things obviously happen to later but despite the direness of this and like the urgency it's still just funny and that's a wrap on the host Join us next week for La Haine, a gorgeous black and white crime drama following three men coping with the violence done to a friend by a police officer. And I hope, hope, hope you guys show up for that because that is one of my favorite movies and it is absolutely fantastic. It's worth your time. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Subtitled Cinema for movie lists, behind the scenes content, and other good fun. I'm Kevin. And I'm Michael. And thank you for listening.